0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Immanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the name of the Lord. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. We're going to read from verse 11 to 13. Are you there? He says, and he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the walk, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Everybody read verse 13 together. One, two, go. It says, until we all come to the unity of the faith. I like the fact that this translation says, come to. Because, you know, when you're reading the normal KJV translation and it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, many people have interpreted it wrongly. They have another interpretation. They think... Um, Coming in the unity of the faith means it doesn't matter what you believe. I believe something different. You believe something different irrespective of our beliefs. Let's agree. And that idea in and of itself is okay. We must learn to tolerate and accommodate people who don't share our beliefs. However, that's not what this text is saying. The Greek word translated unity actually means unanimity. That's what it means, unanimity. So, you know what um, a unanimous agreement is? If we were voting for class prefect, and seven people have the privilege to cast their votes and all seven vote for the same person, That's a unanimous vote. Do you understand what I just said? So when he talks about unanimity of the faith, he's saying that we come to a point as a body in Christ that we share the same convictions. He's not, many people interpret unity of the faith as unity in spite of faith. (laughs) But he's saying, come to the unity of the faith. The unanimity of the faith. Because guess what? There is one faith. One Lord. One baptism. One God over all. And so, let me say this. You might not have heard this before. But multiple denominationalism is not God's will for the church. We can tolerate it now because we more or less don't have any choice for now. But it's not God's perfect will. You, you say, what's God's perfect will? You just read it. Unanimous faith. Unanimous beliefs. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and to many other churches. He says, believe the same thing. God wants us to believe the same thing. So if there is one truth, and we all believe different things, something is wrong. We cannot all be right. And you don't just say, oh, your truth, my truth. The kingdom of God doesn't work that way. Don't forget the text we read yesterday in Jude verse 3. It says, contend. Contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. So it's our responsibility to discover what the early church believed hold on to it, preach the same thing, pass it on to our children. That's God's will. Not your truth, my truth. Oh, in your church you speak in tongues. In my church we don't. That's okay. Like I was speaking to someone years ago. She says, I like this denomination because it fits my temperament. I'm naturally a quiet person, so I like, you know, solemn singing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you're going to have problems in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> problems. Because from the scriptures, you can tell there's a lot of chaotic joy in heaven. <laughs> from Jesus' demeanor, you could tell. Jesus wasn't gentle, you know, in his delivery in his sermons. The Bible says, the last day, the great day of the feast, he stood and cried with a loud voice. If any man thirsts. You see, I preach like Jesus. <laughs> the people noticed about him. The Bible says, he taught like someone who had authority, not like the scribes. So, we are not, it's not a temperament game. It's not a temperament issue. It's not even about the denomination you were born to. We must all come to a point where we objectively look into the Word of God to see and realize what the Word of God teaches. So, if some set of people believe in tongues and others don't, we must have the humility to sit down with the Word to discover who's right. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't just say, oh, some people in the body of Christ, there are grace people and there are works people. That's not the will of God. Because there's one truth. Some believe in healing, some don't. Mm-mm. There is one truth. If we believe different things, it's either one of us is right or both of us are wrong. Say unanimity of the faith. So, as it pertains to charismatic ministry, I want us to look into the word of God. What does the word say? You don't just say, you know, years ago I asked someone, Do you speak in tongues? The person said, Oh, I'm Orthodox. That's not what I asked you. <laughs> I said, Do you speak in tongues? By the way, if you were truly orthodox, you would speak in tongues. Because the principle of orthodoxy, as I'm going to teach on tomorrow, is aligning to the pattern, to the creed, to any particular creed. So if you want to align to the creed of the Bible, you will do what Bible people did. So to be orthodox is to be charismatic. If you are not charismatic, you are not orthodox. So forget, you know, um, the popular definitions of these terms. You look into the word. So what does the Bible say? Turn to the Bibles, we're gonna read three texts quickly. <clears throat> First Corinthians 14, verse one. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. And 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. I take that again. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. So, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Everybody read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Now, of course, he was trying to emphasize prophesying in this context. But the crux of the matter, the the real issue here is, and our emphasis for tonight, is the fact that it says follow after charity. And desire, can you say desire? Desire. It says desire spiritual gifts. So now it's not a denominational choice. We are used to options today. You go to a restaurant, oh, what do you want? Fried rice, jollof rice, fried yam, mm, Many people think that's what church is like. Which one fits me? All these people—they—they they are big on charismatic gifts. I—I I don't really—I don't know. I'm fresh. I—I just, I just don't like drama. I'll pick this one. It's not about you. You are not the center of our faith. So, there is an instruction in the Word of God that says desire spiritual gifts. It's not an option. Not to desire spiritual gifts is to be in disobedience. If you keep running away from it, excusing yourself from it, there is a biblical term for it. It's called hardness of heart. It's a sin. For the Word of God to say, do this and you say No. He says, desire. Oh, I've never healed the sick before. He said, desire it. I've never spoken in tongues before. He said, desire it. I've never received the word from God before. Desire it. Desire spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 12, 31 says, but covet endlessly. I covet earnestly. The word used here is so strong. You know, it's interesting. In every other context, covetousness is a sin. But when it is directed at anything spiritual, so, now, there is um, a kind of passion that should only be directed towards God. That if it is directed at anything else, it is inordinate and it is sinful. But if you have a fervent desire, for instance, for spiritual gifts, you are right. Just so that you understand the gravity of what he's saying, covet it earnestly! Have you ever wanted something so bad? You know, you're about to sleep in the night, you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. It says, have that kind of desire for spiritual gifts. Covet earnestly. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 31. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. See, listen, friends. I don't know what my life would be without prophecy. If you followed me for a while, you know what I'm saying is true. I mean, it's called supernatural leadership. How you the for this. What would your life be if you learn all that God has designed for you to be? Hallelujah. We're here today by prophecy. This church came by prophecy. Last year's Reboot Camp, we already had like a plan on paper. Okay, so this year um, we're going to plant a church in Lekki, Lagos. And then I was on stage in the Lagos Church preaching and I heard the voice of God in my left ear. Like I'm being very specific. And he said, Port Accord first. Hallelujah. If we have time, we'll talk about prophecy more. Your life would change. So he says, covet to prophesy. Forbid not to speak with tongues. You know, there is a very terrible sin in the body of Christ. Have you noticed the people who are trying to tell us what speaking in tongues should sound like don't speak in tongues? Why is it that the people who know that the people who are speaking in tongues are getting it wrong, don't speak in tongues? Have you noticed? At least Paul could talk about speaking in tongues because he said, first and foremost, I speak in tongues more than you all. So, oh, we can listen to him. You speak in tongues more than us. Don't tell us, oh, if you you must speak in tongues, you you must interpret. Do you interpret? If you don't interpret, shut up! At least do it better before you talk. Not that you don't have it and you want to correct people that do. He said, Covet to prophesy. The word translated covet is the Greek word zelo. It is spelled Z E L O O, but it's actually pronounced zelo. What does zelo mean? It means to have a passionate desire for or against something. It can work either ways. It means to have a passionate desire for or against something. Passionate desire for or against something. For instance, the Bible says in Acts chapter 7 verse 9, the story of Joseph was being told it says and the patriarchs moved with envy zelo with envy it was zelo they were moved with envy and they sold joseph into egypt moved with envy so it means to have a passionate desire for or so the kind of motivation these guys had to do away with Joseph, you can have that motivation in a positive sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what he's trying to say. But you see, zelo is an active word. It's a moving word. They were moved with jealousy. You don't zelo in a passive way. You don't sit in front of a refrigerator that is full of chilled water and say, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. That's not zelo. That's foolishness. Zelo is moving and active. You move towards your desire. So they didn't like yourself. They did something about it. They were insane. It's wrong. But zelo, for or against, is just a word. It can be negative or positive like many words. Okay? Yes, it's an active word. Have you ever seen a guy who is in love and is ready to make a fool of himself because of it? zelo, Passionate desire for something or for someone. That's zelo, It will show. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I I was on this panel with someone and he was saying the things he did when he was asking his wife out said he will go and drop her at work in the morning and come and pick her. In Lagos traffic, you you guys don't really understand. If someone does that in Lagos, at least he's not joking. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now that's Zalo. So it's a moving and an active word. So I'm saying this because some people think they agree with what I'm saying. Oh, I'm passionate about spiritual gifts. In fact, in the in the statement of faith of our church, we put it there. We believe in the miracle. I'm not no, I'm talking about what you passionately demonstrate. What a church believes is not what they put in their statement of faith, is what they emphasize. You are what you emphasize. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Zillow is not about being okay with it, it is about desiring it actively. Oh, I'm okay with it. No, that's not what was. That's not Zalo. If you want it, you go for it. Don't forget, it says they were moved with envy. The passion moved them to do something. So if you really desire spiritual gifts, there's something you do about it. It will influence the books you read. It will influence the conferences you attend. It will influence the church you attend for God's sake. You actively pursue it. Don't forget how we started. It says to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. So, now I want to spend the next few minutes describing to you the charismatic history of the church. The charismatic history of the church. I'm going to start from the very beginning. The creation of the earth. The Bible opens up with the demonstration of the stupendous power of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, the first picture we see of God is that He's a powerful creator. There was darkness, and He said, Let there be light. And there was. Just, you know, cool stuff. Let there be and there was just like that. He called the light day. He called the darkness night. Cool stuff. Powerful creator. Showing off his ability. Naming things. Let there be firmaments, separating the waters above and the waters below. He called the firmaments heaven. He called the, the, the waters below. He called them the sea. Let them gather together in one place. Let dry land appear. Let me ask you this. How many of you can swim? How many of you can swim? Thank you. I can't put my hand up. I'm trying. I'd rather walk on water I, I would like I'm still in But I'm still in it. <laughs> but right now, I cannot. <laughs> so, so, but the point is this. I've practiced enough to know that it takes some effort to move water with your hands and with your feet, right? Have you ever finished swimming and you were tired physically? Every single water on the earth was arranged by the words of God. That even if you want to use your hands, it takes efforts. And someone says, let the waters gather in one place. <laughs> And it happened. Let dry land appear. Have you tried to dig, maybe to plant something? I, I read building technology, so I, I know a little about excavation. Have you tried to dig? It's, a, it's hard labor to dig. And God moved all the earth mass with words. It's dry land appear. Now that's powerful. And then not only did he create, he was naming things. He called the, 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 the oceans, he named them oceans. And then the, the soil, he called it earth. And then he made man. You won't really understand the significance of this. If you were new to the Bible, and you, you've never read the Bible before, you're reading the story of a creator God creating things and naming them, and then he creates man and then calls the man, shows the man animals, and says, name. (laughs) Wow. So, first and foremost, we see creative power and naming seemingly as a divine attribute. And now you're asking your creation to name. So that's mentorship in the supernatural. Mentorship in the divine. He's training his boy. Oh, name. He said, whatever name Adam called them, that was their name. Till now, the names have not changed. That's mentorship in the divine. Because God wants us to participate in the supernatural. I'm, give, I'm painting a picture for you. He wants us to participate in the supernatural years later his children the children of Israel were held captive in Egypt he wants to deliver them he calls a man named Moses you will go and tell pharaoh to let my people go he said me tell pharaoh who am i will he listen to me how do i do that he has a powerful army what do i have he says what's in your hand he says uh, this is a rod I'm a shepherd Drop it on the floor. He drops it. It turns to a serpent. Wow. Pick it back up. That in itself is a step of faith. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a typical African man, drop it on the floor. It turns to a serpent. That's the end of the conversation. <laughs> uh, uh, I get the point. Pick it. Pick what? <laughs> Nobody be so I give you. <laughs> You know, you know, and of all places to pick it from detail. If you know about snakes, you know. <laughs> Moses picked it back up, it turned back to a rod. So not only was God training him to participate in the supernatural, he was telling him, he was giving him a sense of control of it. So you know, some people have an idea, oh, I believe in the miraculous, but it can happen anytime, nobody can control. But God was saying, drop it, pick it, drop it. So Moses' perspective of the supernatural was, oh, God has given me this privilege. I can use it at will. He even once abused it because he was angry. God said, speak to the rock. He was angry. He struck the rock. Guess what? Something still happened. Water still came out. Because that tells you, that the supernatural was no longer something that, you know, it's, it's not like lightning that cannot strike in the same place twice. It had become predictable. He knew how to reproduce it. Are you getting this? So when he was standing before the Red Sea, God said, why are you, uh, after all I've taught you, why are you praying to me? Have you read that? You know God asked him, why are you praying to me? He said, strike your hand and divide it. So eventually, Moses learned. For instance, in one of their battles, in the particular battle where he was lifting his hands, God did not ask him to do that. God did not tell him, if you raise your hand, your people will win. He had learned from experience. He knew how to get the supernatural to walk. This is very important. Mentorship in the divine is what we are talking about. And then the Lord tells us about another man named Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, the Bible says, the hand of the Lord came on him, o sash, and carried him by the Spirit of God to a valley of dry bones, made him walk around about it. And then God asked him, ha ha, ha this, is, this is a school of the supernatural. God asked him, he said, can these dry bones live? And you know what? He responded the way many people would respond today about the power of God. Ah, God. If you choose to do it, you know, now you're handy today. If you, choose, if you say you want to help me, you can help me. You know, some of us talk like that in prayer. We blackmail God. God, if you want to really change this, you, you know what to do. But God he is training his children to act. Can these dry bones live? He said, God, you know. Look up, balance now, you know. And God said, don't talk like that. Instead, he said, prophesy. Oh, my goodness. Maybe you are here. You've walked around dry bones waiting for God to do something. And God is saying, son, daughter, it doesn't work that way. He created man and gave man dominion. He has not named anything. Are you listening to this? So now, if you want the dry bones to live, you're going to have to prophesy. You're going to have to give direction to my power. It is my power, but it's in your custody. Prophesy. Say all bones hear the word of the Lord. Ayala, Come on, are you listening to me? Ah ha ha ha. And he said, I prophesied I was commanded. And then I heard a rattling sound. He said, suddenly there was a rattling sound. Let me prophesy. Today, as you speak words of power, there will be a shaking in your life. Amen. A shaking in your family. Amen. I'm telling you, foundations will shake today. Amen. <laughs> he said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And there was a sudden rattling. The bones began to find their members. Find their members. And they began to connect, to join. Wow! And he continued to prophesy until there were corpses. And then he now said, prophesy to the wind. Listen, don't you understand? God molded man in the beginning and breathed on him. And now there are corpses in Ezekiel's story and he says Ezekiel should prophesy to four winds to come into those corpses so that they will rise up an army. That's mentorship in the divine. So God is saying, you know, it is one thing to say, God, you are powerful. You can do all things. It is another thing to read that he wants you. To share in his ability. It's another thing. You can say, you move mountains. You cause walls to fall. And that's powerful. But I'm telling you respectfully. And that's not to say the song is a bad song. I'm saying, if you want to see miracles in your life, you're going to have to have a slightly different understanding. Because he said, you shall say unto this mountain... Be removed. It, you, you can keep saying God can move mountains. He can. Mm-hmm. You're going to wait. Mm-hmm. But he said to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, when I tried to teach this years ago, some people didn't understand. And that's the problem with the church. We don't just like to... What I'm saying, isn't it in the Bible? Yes, Who did he say to the mountains? So, it is not wrong to say God will move mountains. You just need to know how he will do it. He will do it when you speak. So, you're going to have to speak to the mountains. In my private place, I sing the song slightly different. I say, I move mountains and I cause walls to fall. Listen, when it came to the time of Jericho, God did not push the walls for them. Oh, are you listening? You can say he caused walls to fall, and that's nice. But God told them what to do. He said, Move around Jericho for seven days. On the last day, you are going to shout and blare with your trumpets, and the walls will fall down. So, with God's power, they caused to fall. God did not make the walls fall, they did with his power. That's charismatic ministry. Learning about the power of God and using it in your life. Praise the Lord. But all that we've said is wonderful. But there's just one problem. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, only some select few could do these things, could function with this ability. You had to either be a king or a priest or prophet. Charismatic ministry was such a rare thing. It was so serious that, you know, Joshua Joshua was just that zealous. You know all those forward class captains we used to have in primary school? The, the teacher tells them, write names of noisemaker. You make noise, they write your name. You make noise again, they write times two. You know the, the pertinent, what's times two? I'm, I'm, I'm already on the list. <laughs> Joshua was like that. He, he, he would be quick to report anything to Moses. And he saw some people prophesying. He went to report. He said, some people are prophesying. (laughs) And Moses said, what? I desire that all God's people were prophets. I desire. That was his desire. The question is, when and how would that be fulfilled? It was Moses' desire, but it was not a possibility at the time. So when and how was that going to be fulfilled? Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We adore your name, dear Jesus. We honor you tonight. Ha, 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 ha. Are you in Joel chapter 2 verse 28? Now, this guy is prophesying. He said, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. Did he say on kings? Did he say on priests? Did he say on prophets? On who? All All flesh. All flesh. All flesh. Oh my goodness. Explaining all flesh in a poetic fashion. All flesh means sons and daughters, old and young. Are you getting it? Look at verse 28. Verse 29, 29, next verse. It says, servants and handmaidens. meaning it's not for rich people alone. Yes, sir. Even servants will get it. Ladies will get it. Listen, ladies here, don't think it's for guys alone. All right? Oh, this is a very feministic text. How you see them? It says sons and daughters, old and young, rich and poor, all flesh. I'm sure you belong to at least one of those categories. So that prophecy is for you. says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They will prophesy. They will see visions. They will dream dreams. If you have not seen visions before, you should. You ought to. Ought to. If you've not prophesied before, you ought to. You've never seen anything before it happened, you ought to. Listen, we are a supernatural church. This is our heritage. It says he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Well, question, has he done that? Oh, he has. He has. And so, you can prophesy. You can see visions. You can walk miracles. You ought to believe it. Well, Joel just prophesied this one. He said the time is coming and he went. When is it going to happen? They didn't know. But then, don't forget what we are doing. I'm telling you the history of charismatic ministry. After Joel prophesied, someone came on the scenes. He was more than a prophet. The Bible says the word became flesh, dwelt among us. Ah, he took charismatic ministry to another level. There were things, great things that had happened before Jesus. People had raised the dead, parted oceans, great things that happened, but there were things that had never happened. Jesus was the first person to cast out demons. First person. Jesus was the first person to open blind eyes. Nobody opened blind eyes before Jesus. So, he, he, he took it to another level. People marveled. Jesus was in a boat that was sinking. He was sleeping. He, you know, he, he was different. And the people were paranoid. Yeah. Why is he sleeping? The boat is sinking. Doesn't he care? It's because they didn't know who he, who he was. If I was in that boat, I would just go beside him and sleep. <laughs> Hold him like this so that <laughs> if he's here, we're well, all right. And when they woke him up, he just perverse generation, how long will I be with you? He spoke three words. Still. <laughs> Hi, God. So, why did he say perverse generation, how long will I be with you? Because you ought to have learned these things by now. Mentorship in the supernatural. He's teaching them. You should have, haven't you watched me do it? Be still. The Bible says, "People marvelled. What type of man is this that even the winds obey him? What type of man? What type of man? What type of listen? If no one has asked what type of man you are, maybe what is wrong with you, man? Oh, people ought to wonder. You know, I remember in my final year we entered the new room. You know, we of course they changed rooms, and then one day." My (laughs) roommate said, I want us to talk. So I sat down. He said, who are you? (laughs) He said, every night, I see some people wearing white, moving fast in this room. He said, are they angels? I said, yes. (laughs) There was a day I was praying and he ran out of the room. So, but after some months, after some months, he got used to it. In fact, his spiritual eyes were so open. There was a day he told me, your people are here. (laughs) (laughs) True life story. Your people are here. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. Daniel is here, God bless him. But that's our life. Hallelujah. So, now you come to Mark eleven. The Bible tells us one day Jesus saw a fig tree, and he was hungry. He wanted fruit from the fig tree. He didn't know that the fig tree was disguised. <laughs> was disguising. So he came close, and there was no fig tree. He said, "Ah, me at my age." Say okay, nobody will eat from you again. Inter- I'm going to teach on this another day. Learn to make bold statements of faith. When he said it, everyone around heard it. The Bible says, Paul and Silas prayed and sang. The prisoners heard them. See, some of you are too concerned. Ah, What if it doesn't happen? That's why you're not growing in the supernatural. You're saying it secretly. Then when Naboo say ah, and I said it all. <laughs> something told me, ah, oh, it has passed, it has passed. It has passed. <laughs> it has passed. Next time, say it. Say it, let us hear. <laughs> ah, and something was telling me you will come. Mm. Don't, don't do that. Next time, say it ahead. Let's know. Ah, <laughs> and I, it's like something was telling me that I will see you. We will not know. Make bold statements of faith. He said it. Everybody heard him. So the next day when they were passing, Peter saw the tree dried from his roots. He he screamed, ah! He said, he said, Master, the tree that you cursed is dried from his roots. You know, and then normally you expect Jesus to say, oh yeah, you see, um... You see, this thing, power, power. (laughs) You know, and maybe to be hitting the mic, power, 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 you know? (laughs) But instead, mentorship in the supernatural. He made it about Peter. He said, if you... (coughs) Are you learning anything? Oh, you thought that was cool? If you shall say unto the mountain, not just the tree... If you, if, meaning you can do it also. So Jesus is teaching you, you can speak to things. You can speak. This is different from, oh, Father, will you? Mm-mm. He's talking about talking to a tree. Imagine how foolish he would have looked from today. You know, you're like, who are you talking to? They say, oh, I'm talking to the tree. He's training you in the supernatural. He said, if you shall see, what will your life be like if only you would say? If only you would talk. Talk to situations. Don't say, daddy, don't let my child die. Daddy, don't let my child die. You say, in the name of Jesus, daughter, receive life. That's a different way to pray. It's a different way to pray. Oh, daddy, don't let my uncle. You say, uncle, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You shall say unto this mountain, you give specific instructions. Be thou removed. I remember years ago, there was some strange stuff growing some part of my body. And I just started learning what I'm telling you. So I spoke to it. I said, growth in the name of Jesus. Dry off and cut off my body. The next day, as I was bathing, the thing just dropped. Are you listening to me? If you shall say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So this is the idea. Not to look at Jesus and say, ah, man, man. He can speak to trees. He said, if you too. Do. do you believe him? Yes. Yes. Did he lie? No. So, at least believe him. He believes in you. He's telling you he has given you the capacity to do these things. That if you will say unto this mountain, be removed. Be cast into the sea. It says, and you don't doubt in your heart. It will happen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's mentorship. So he did it. That's why he did it. He spoke to the tree to teach a lesson. It was practical. (laughs) A practical class in the supernatural. Jesus, I know you said we can but can we really? I mean, especially considering who you are. You know, Jesus told us the reason He was able to do what He was doing. In John 14:10, John 14:10, he says, "The words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority." But the Father who dwells in me does the work. Oh, we know the secret. So the Father dwells in you. No wonder you're so powerful. Oh, if only the Father would dwell in me too. (coughs) If only. If only. The Father dwells in you. You are the Son of God. If only. Well, what are you going to do about that? He said, "In my father's family, there are many dwelling places." You know, many people, when they, when they read that statement, because of the way KJV put it, KJV used metaphors. In my father's house, there are many mansions, and they're taking it literally <laughs> that God is building houses for them, that as Jesus went to heaven, he became a bricklayer. I' mean... like, my people are coming. So, but, but look at it now. Is it not sly? You said if that's what he meant, that when he goes, he will prepare a place, he'll be building a house for you. But the Bible says when he ascended, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, sir, why is it now? Where will I stay? <laughs> Let me just assure you, he's not building anything. No. He's seated. Hallelujah! So now, you now have to understand what then did he mean? In my father's house, there are many... How can there be mansions in a house? And it's just a simple principle of Bible interpretation. If the simple, straightforward meaning does not make logical sense, then it's figurative. Let's use a newer translation. Are you learning anything? John chapter 14, verse 3. Verse 2. Amplify says, In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Let's look for another translation. I wonder where all my translations went. Let me work with the, who has a simpler translation that we can work with? Okay, HCSP, let me give you the microphone, come this way. Okay. In my father's house are many dwelling yes. places. Okay, dwelling places. Who has a simpler translation? You have one? NLT, okay? Good news. What does it say? Yeah, good news has a good one. Yeah. There are many rooms father's house. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Who who has a translation that says something different? All right. What translation is that? Are you there? He says, "There is plenty of room for you in my father's home." Are you getting the idea now? So, even from that, he says, "There is plenty of room for you in my father's home." So, he's talking about family, (laughs) not real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Let me explain it with the Greek words. Are you ready now? So that's John 14:2 In my father's oikia Oikia means family In my father's family there are many moni Many places to stay There is room in my father's family. This was an adoption statement. Oh, you think I'm the only son? I came to bring many sons to glory. So, in my father's family, there are many opportunities for sons. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Meaning, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. When he says, I go, what was he talking about? His death. He said, oh my goodness. <laughs> he wasn't saying, I am going to prepare. He's saying, my going will prepare. Yes. So in my death and my burial and my resurrection, that is going to bring you into the family. Yes. That's what he was saying. He said, so where I am, you will be also He was talking about adoption into sonship. Praise the name of the Lord. He went. He received the promise of the Father. He has gifted you his Holy Spirit. Now you have the Father in you. And then he said, they that believe in me The works that I do, they will do also. And greater because I go to my father. He's saying that going to the father will, will change your charismatic story. You'll be able to do more. It will open you to new possibilities. New abilities. Hallelujah. Meaning you can literally see how Jesus walked. And just reckon that the same spirit by which he did all those things is in you. Jesus was really special. People knew it. Jesus would be walking there, and people would just run to him and say, sorry, we don't want to bother you. We know you're in a hurry. Can you just help us touch this guy? (laughs) Jesus was special. Like, by observation, they noticed that the touch of his hands did something. Let me show it to you. I'm showing you this for a reason. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Mark chapter 3 verse 10. The Bible says he healed many so that as many had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. They just wanted to touch him. They knew if they touched him, they'll be all right. He didn't even say, oh, touch me now. They knew from the stories, from observation, if we touch him, we'll be all right. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Again, departing from the regions of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment of speech and begged him, to put his hand on him. Did he say, ah, solve this problem? Mm -mm. Please, just touch him. They begged him. You know you are going somewhere. Just help us touch him. Are you seeing this? Mark chapter 8, the next chapter. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Begged him to touch him. Now, after this, Jesus died, was buried, rose again. And then in Mark, the same Mark, chapter 16, verse 17, open it. All through the book of Mark, you see people begging to touch Jesus. And he will touch them and something will happen. And now he says, and these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Look at verse 18. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Meaning this thing that people observed about me will become your testimony. Look at your hands. See, these hands are healing hands. See, the power of God flows through these hands. See, everything this hand touches receives the life of God. The power of God flows through these hands. Even now, from the crown of my head to the tip of my toes, I'm full of power. Hallelujah! Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Mentorship in the supernatural. Turn your Bibles, Ephesians three twenty. That's the last text we're reading. Ephesians three twenty. Years ago, I woke up one evening to realize that I was taken with fever. So sick. And I don't know where I got the idea from. Of course, I had learned some of these things. So I carried my hand and I put it on my head. And I fell down. <laughs> and I fell down. And I got up perfectly fine. It, it happened so fast that my family members didn't, in fact, how will I say, I was sick. <laughs> Turn your Bibles, Ephesians three twenty. Stand to your feet. They're going to confess this. Oh boy, 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 boy. Read it together. One, two, go. He's talking about limitless power, power that will blow your mind. You know, just imagine a demonstration of power that you will see and be like, what, what is that? That's what he means by exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. He says, He's able to do. But he says, So where is that power now? He says, According to the power that works where? So let me tell you something about yourself that you probably did not know. The power you carry is bigger than your mind. Yes. Did you hear what I said? There are things that you can do that your neighbor would do. say, hey! Hey! Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. So, so there is above and then there is exceeding abundantly above. What you can ask or think. Meaning, you see, even our requests are limited to our discernment of capacity. There are some requests you can ask someone. If you want to ask someone for money, there's some type of, you will gauge the person. Your greatest estimation is still an underestimation. That's what he's saying. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can imagine according to the power that works in you. Do you believe this? Stretch out your hands Say now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above it's power that walks in me. Oh, I've got power inside of me. There is power that work in me. There is power that work in me. Power that can blow my mind. Power that can do the impossible that can see, Lord, I can see the invisible it's at work in me, work in me. Woo, glory yeah. to God yeah. hallelujah yeah. listen listen gone are the days where if a demonstration of power was needed you need to go and look for someone those days are gone now he has poured his spirit upon all flesh. His spirit is in you. There is power at work in you. He said, "These signs shall follow them that believe." He says they will lay hands on the sick; the sick will recover. He's not even talking about prayer. Meaning, it can be an accident. Oh, how are you doing? He didn't say pray. He didn't say pray. So. That woman with the issue of blood did not tell Jesus, oh, this is what I'm going through, you know. She just came. By the way, that was also Mark, Mark 5, right? Came and, to- and something left. Jesus said, who touched me? I felt something go through me. Listen, it was the Spirit of God in him. And that same Spirit is at work in you. Say now unto him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power that works in me. Say, I acknowledge that there is power at work in me. I acknowledge I am conscious of it. There is power at work in me. Right now. I'm conscious of the power of God. Hallelujah. Just meditate on that now and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit right now. 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 now. Ha, ha, ha. The spirits right now. Tasa parato kwa mania. Teparato ziatele telepatane repe nekotea. Tefenendo kopek tize kabalato zive. Tefenenda ruzata ratu leveneta kates. Deka na manana kupote. Dekana kanamataka tugete. De kanamataka ka ka roko pondre gene matarato le so petekipo, pushete, it a give it a give it it a give it a give it a give it a it a give it a give it a a give it a a give of a give the records of take Creative power is at work in you. At work in you. Asamba la manda repeat kiba Kembe kebena I'd in you Ka sobrete kibahakes Zembe rectos Thank you Lord Thank you Lord San no konsekt de testes Thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now you're going to use your authority. And this is what we are saying. As culture custodians, this culture, this truth must not be lost in the body. Can I tell you something? It might seem nice to have a pastor that you believe in and to always come for the miraculous. Any this thing? Uh, pastor, I have a headache. But you need to be conscious of the power at work in you also. That's what, that's what, a, that's what a ministry gift is meant to do. We are all meant to come till we all come. <laughs> I got it, you got it too. Yes, sir. I got it too. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. You're going to use your authority. You're going to prophesy. Everyone that is sick, let there be creative miracles now. Listen, because you learned something. You're going to act like you have authority. You're going to be conscious of something flowing through you. See, I, I'm, I'm not th- th- teaching sensation, but I want you to be conscious that as you are speaking, something is happening. and say, "In the name of Jesus, miracles happen now. Pick your Bibles in your hands. First Corinthians 14:26. I want to show you how to do church. God's idea of church never forget what you're about to read never forget it 1 Corinthians 14 26 read it together one two go this is church. It says that when we gather, did he say, pastor has a psalm? Who has a psalm? Everyone. So you can participate. You can, as you're here now, you can receive a word for someone. And that's going to edify the person. So, the, current, the church in Corinth was so aware of this. He has to regulate it. Don't disturb the service. Let all things be done orderly. All right? But be conscious of it. Be conscious of it. Hallelujah. God. So as you're here now, God can tell you about the person by your side. Yes. God can tell you about someone playing the instrument. The person on the camera. He can tell you about someone. You can receive a word of knowledge. You can receive a word of encouragement. That's your life. That's my life. See, I'm not telling you something to strive for. I'm telling you something you have. Yes, I love it. it says, when you come together, everyone has a psalm. So, in fact, we should be able to come to a point of maturity where... In some services, pst, it's just freestyle. We'll pass the mic. You prophesy, you interpret, you have a word for someone, you share it. That's God's plan. That's your inheritance. Hallelujah. So now you talk like it. Can I tell you something? You don't talk like. You don't sing songs of lack. Start acknowledging. If he says your hands will heal the sick, stop praying for the power to do so. And start saying that your hands do so. You acknowledge it. Hallelujah. Just focus on the Lord right now. Consider all he has given you. You are so full of power, full of insights, full of revelation, full, 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 full. Tala makras davis. Tele makere es But bringing this to a close now the Bible says as they were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind and the Bible says cloven tongues as of fire sat on everyone's head and now the question is how did they know how did they know it means everybody saw it. Because if, if, it, if it was one person who saw it, he wouldn't have seen the one on his head. But he said it sat on everyone's head. So they said, oh, you got it, I got it. You, they saw it. I'm telling you, your eyes are opened. To see visions. To speak with new tongues. So... God has given you more than you asked for. You should have been powerful if you came for a committee meeting and, and received a healing. But now God has made a healer out of you. That's what he has done. So you are going to leave this place with confidence. Thank you for listening.